Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 235. And uh, how are you doing? Are we all okay? I hope so. Boy, what a time this is, isn't it? Uh, it is, uh, what is this? January the 11th and, uh, stuff's happening here in this here country. Um, yeah. And I have, I can't find a single thing to say about it. (laughs) Not yet, but I will probably. It's very likely. It's just, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it takes me a while. Those of you who've been with me a little bit, no, that it doesn't. I, my responses are not instant. I am. I am not a a quick responder to these sorts of things. Anyway, hope everybody's doing okay. Uh, today's blog is um, not to do with anything that's going on particularly at the moment, although it is current um, and. I think, you know, has happened over the last 10 months. Um, So it's not like insignificant, but not maybe to this week, you know. Anyway, uh, so it's um, it's about my previous profession um, where I would teach workshops in the schools and that position was called a teaching artist. Um, I still occasionally will do that, but I tend to not prefer to call myself a teaching artist anymore for various reasons that I have written about and talked about before. Um, but this piece is inspired by an article that one of our New York publications, um, printed back in December, I believe, uh, about the plight of teaching artists around the city And so I I had some thoughts. And so here they are. This is called 4,500 Teaching Artists Predictably Fall Through the Cracks. In the comments on the Gothamist article about 4,500 teaching artists losing work, someone said, do you mean art teachers? Here was a major publication addressing what was once my profession, perhaps for the first time, And the comments all suggested a complete and total lack of awareness of what the job was. One comment suggested all these out-of-work artists go join the army. Nice. Nice. And also hilarious. Can you imagine the guy at the recruitment office if 4,500 visual artists, musicians, actors, composers, directors, writers, filmmakers, puppeteers, dancers, cartoonists, choreographers, clowns, and more, who can all teach killer workshops, showed up to join the army? That recruiter would not know what hit him. Believe me, 4,500 artists would not be a benefit to an organization that values obedience. If the organization was in the mood to shake things up, reevaluate, maybe use their resources differently than, say, shooting people, then 4,500 artists might not be a bad idea. If you want an army of creativity instead of an army of soldiers, it's genius. Otherwise, total disaster. Anyway, I used to talk about teaching artist stuff quite a lot here on the blog, back before I quit doing it. (laughs) I had a lot of worries about where the field was going and what was going to happen to the veterans of it, as well as the new ones joining the ranks. 
I was worried about the professionalization of a profession that had no security. I was worried about people investing a lot of resources into programs to certify them that would never give them secure jobs or a safety net. And here we are. I mean, everyone is in crisis. Teaching artists are not the only ones. A lot of arts administrators who had secure jobs don't have them anymore. So it's not just teaching artists in the arts and arts and education fields who are now in dire trouble. But most teaching artists I know were generally living right on the edge, picking up work when it was available, piecing together a living out of a class here and a workshop there. There is no net for most of them. They probably have no savings account nor a house they bought. The thing I keep thinking about is how teaching artists were invented as a stopgap measure when the arts were cut in the 70s here in New York City. With no actual arts classes in schools anymore, arts organizations stepped in to supply the one thing there was always an abundance of. Artists. To teach at least a little bit of art in little chunks of time. It was not a solution. But... Decades later, it was what everyone was still doing. And the stopgap measure grew and grew, and no one complained because schools were getting world-class artists for cheap. Artists were getting flexible work that utilized their art-making skills. And organizations were raking in grant money. The job got more and more formalized and yet never more secure with no benefits or guarantees of work, depending on the whims of a rapidly rotating cast of administrators. And the arts did not return to the public schools in a meaningful way. There wasn't, say, recruitment from the teaching artist ranks to join the faculty at a school and be the drama teacher, the art teacher, the music teacher, or run an arts program in-house. Now... The arts budget that brought teaching artists in and sent students to Broadway shows or to see the symphony or a museum have been reduced to almost nothing. There is almost no reason to bring a teaching artist into your Zoom classroom. The stopgap is now just a gap. The gap reveals all the ways this was all just built on sand the degrees and certifications that people went into debt for to do this job, the job itself, the investment arts organizations made in these programs, it's all just gone. A part of me just wants to shout, I told you so, I told you so. But that would be a real jerk move given that everyone involved has probably lost their entire livelihood. The thing is, if instead of building these haphazard arts programs, the city had rebuilt its arts programming in schools, things would be a lot less precarious. It's easy to let 4,500 artists fall through the cracks because they never really existed for the schools or even a lot of arts organizations. Not in a meaningful way. When I was doing this work, I had to consistently explain to multiple people who I was and what I was doing there just to get a key to be able to use the bathroom. That's both in the schools and at some of the arts organizations I worked for. But what if instead of a teaching artist doing a 12-day residency once a year, 
the school had a drama teacher. That person is a lot harder to get rid of. The people in the school would know their name and would at least throw them a party if they got fired. And the union would certainly have something to say about it if it were a public school. I'm not saying I would have liked to have been a drama teacher. I 100% would not. Popping in once a week was exactly the right speed for me. But I know a lot of TAs who would have loved to be invited to teach in more secure circumstances, who would have appreciated the opportunity to get health insurance, a pension, etc. I imagine there's around 4,500 of them who would especially appreciate that now. Fascinatingly, I got a bunch of likes from my fellow bloggers on this one. Like uh, on WordPress, there's a way you can like a post if you're also on WordPress, if you're also blogging. Um, and this one got a, a like an unusual amount of likes in that arena, which is surprising. I don't know if, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think they're all teaching artists. I don't think any of them are teaching artists, actually, from at least from the sense of... Um, like what I can see about them from their likes. Uh, so I thought the interest in this one might be kind of narrow, but I, it, it would seem I might be wrong about that, as I often am. <laughs> I, I, I am often wrong about what people are interested in and what uh, is narrow and what is broader. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, is there anything to say about this one? I don't know that there is. It's just sad. It's just sad. I mean, I, I, I'm not doing great, but like I, I know that a lot of people when this whole thing pandemic hit, they imagined that I was still doing this work and the people who had a sense of what that work is and was, uh, they were instantly very worried about me with good reason. Um, I'm not doing this work anymore. So um, it's it's not that I'm doing great. I just already quit. <laughs> it was already bad for me. So I, I was done. Now, you know, I, I just tried to raise my status a little bit. So I, I only go in as a consultant <laughs> instead of a teaching artist. Doesn't pay me a lick more. I just feel more superior which is very nice. Um, yeah, anyway, if, you, if you're interested in this topic, there is a great trove. Just search for a uh, teaching artist in the tags in the, in the blog and you will see uh, quite a lot of conversation about being a teaching artist. Um, yeah, it is. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, check it out if you're interested. Um, so for the song today, I, um, I, I, there's not really like a, a good, sorry, 4,500 people don't have any work right now uh, songs. Um, I mean, I guess there's like a whole bunch of bummers of songs that, that would apply. <laughs> there's also not like a lot of I told you so songs. There should be. Or maybe I just, just didn't search for them correctly. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, but what I thought was, 
I was so happy about what happened in Georgia. Those feelings of delight and joy did not last very long for obvious reasons. But I am still happy about Georgia. And uh, I don't think I even really need to explain why, even for our international listeners hour. I say that as if I'm more than one person. Uh, I think everybody knows what, what was, what's what been going on in this crazy country right about now. We are the, the world's spectacle. Um, but in case somehow you missed it, the state of Georgia has been the center of a lot of political focus and uh, work and hope and dreams. Uh, and the amazing people of Georgia have elected two Democratic senators, thus flipping uh, the Senate for the whole country. So um, they also seem like great uh, future senators. So it's um, it's pretty cool to be one day at some point, as soon as they seat them, we'll have um, Warnock and Ossoff actually in the, in the Senate, which is such good news. Anyway, in honor of that, I decided to sing um, Alison Krauss's Oh Atlanta which is not about Georgia in the big picture or about p- politics in any way. Um, but it is a song about Georgia uh, and, a, and a love for Georgia and Atlanta specifically. And I know the voters around Atlanta were particularly uh, responsible for the good news. So it's a, this, is, this is a little love song for Atlanta and for Georgia. Um, I did spend a little time there back in my youth um, in my early acting days, I worked at the Georgia Shakespeare Festival in Atlanta. And before that, I was actually considering a move to Atlanta to, to do theater there. I didn't end up doing that. But, um, but I hung out there for quite a few months trying to sort of suss it out. Um, so I feel a, a, an affinity for Atlanta still. Um, yeah, so... This song has always been a favorite, and it was nice to kind of pull it out of the mothballs. I've never played it before, but I used to, you know, sing along all the time back in back when it first came out. Um, I'm doing it on ukulele, which you'll hear in just a minute. Um, thank you so much for listening to the blogcast. If you would like to support it, there's patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. There's also Kofi and PayPal. Uh, thanks to everyone who is a part of any of those things. It is so helpful. Uh, I'm sending out the uh, the zines this week. Finally, I'm finishing up the thank you notes, and the zines will go out this week. So that is happening. Um, I If I said that last week, uh, the week had not yet happened. <laughs> I got a little bit distracted by the coup. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know if I thought I would get it done last week, but I did not for reasons that may be obvious. Um, anyway, thank you so much for listening. And here we have Oh Atlanta from Alison Krauss and now me.
Roaming around, oh Lord, I got all this in heaven above. Oh Atlanta, I hear you calling. I'm coming back to you one fine day. No need to worry, there ain't no hurry. I. Ah, uh-uh. ah.